This is Women's Leadership Success Podcast, episode number 120. Do you wake up tired in the morning? Are you caught in an endless cycle of exhaustion at work and in life? Would you like to better manage your energy at work and at home? Join me in this episode and learn why women are tired and the financial and physiological energy drains women are dealing with. You will discover how to be your own best advocate and learn to become your greatest champion in and out of the office. Good news. You can learn to sculpt a thriving and purposeful work-life balance by identifying your energy drains and sources of happiness and navigating life challenges in a new stress-free way. Also, I want to thank my listeners, subscribers, and advocates who are sharing this podcast, connecting with me on LinkedIn, and giving me great reviews. And today I want to give a special thanks and recognize listener Imalka Jayalath in Melbourne, Australia, longtime listener Ann Wolf from Encinitas, California, and a special shout out to Shannon Marie Warren for your five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life. No matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur, join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is Women's Leadership Success. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of talking to Dr. Erin Reeves. She has, I have almost two pages of notes about the incredible things she's done. She's a researcher, an author, a leading advisor to many of America's top executives, and she's an expert on leadership and workplace culture topics. She's the best-selling author of three books, The Next IQ, One Size Never Fits All, and Smarter Than a Lie. And we're going to be talking about her latest book, In Charge, Energy Management Guide for Badass Women Who Are Tired of Being Tired. Um, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm excited too. And we recorded first September of last year, and the recording didn't take in 11 years, first time it's happened. Um, so I'm excited to have you again. And thanks for being willing to do it again. I know your schedule is really busy. Not so, at all. It, it must just mean that we were meant to talk twice. So all good. <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned offline, after I recorded you the first time, I kept I kept saying, well, Aaron Reeves says this, Aaron Reeves says that, <laughs> but I knew it was a good uh, interview and we should do it again. So how did you decide to write this book, this particular one? Yeah, I've been um, I've been researching, you know, gender issues and gender equity issues for a while. And after um, what I started noticing in 2020 was there were all these reports coming out of women's exhaustion levels kind of skyrocketing um, during the pandemic. And as I watched that, and then in 2021, as people started coming back into the workplace, really noticing that women 
were telling very different stories about going back into the workplace and what it took for them to manage the pandemic and their families and their lives, regardless of whether they had children or not. Um, and I had been coaching a lot of women with energy management. And so I realized that the book was kind of writing itself. So you, what I found in reading the book, which I highly recommend to people, it's a great book and, and it's a fun book to read more than once because every time I pick it up, I get something new out of it. But you really have a pulse on women and how they feel and what they're thinking. Can you kind of give us an overview of, as females, what are we experiencing in the workplace? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think women are exhausted, right? Um, you're not just working. Um, you are doing all the work that your male coworkers are doing. You know, you are working. But in addition to that, women are being asked to manage a lot of emotions in the workplace, right? So female managers um, are more likely to be managing emotional issues for their for their staff. Um, we're also more likely to have our boundaries violated, right? So when we say we don't wanna do something, we get it anyway. Um, we're more likely to experience harassment. Just when, when all of it, so at the end of the day, like if you, and a male counterpart work the same eight hour day, you are going to be more exhausted because during those eight hours, you did more cognitive and emotional work than your male coworker. And when that builds up over time, you are running an inert energy deficiency because when you leave that eight hours, if you're lucky enough to only work eight hours and you go home, you're doing it again at home. You're doing more emotional management. You're doing more boundary protection and constantly having your boundaries violated. So the energy deficiency just grows until women are leaving, you know, workplaces because they're like, I can't take it anymore. But also autoimmune diseases are going up, right? Heart disease is going up. Like all of it, it's affecting our physical health. And I don't think that that is something that we can just continue to ignore. So uh, what? How do we know when that's happening and what should we start doing about it? I think it's really important for women to differentiate between being tired and not feeling like they have any energy, right? So we all get tired. We physically get tired because our bodies are, you know, created to do things, get tired and then replenish. But when you wake up in the morning and you are exhausted, um, when you can't go to sleep, even though you're you're tired um, because your brain just can't stop, um, women are more likely to have insomnia than men. Um, when you are um, on vacation and the day that you come back from vacation, you're back to being as exhausted as you were the day before you left for vacation. Those are really good indicators that what you're experiencing is an energy deficiency. And it's not just a simple being tired because when you're tired you go to sleep you wake up not tired right but when you're energy deficient you can go to sleep and you will wake up still feeling exhausted or it actually takes so much energy to wake up that you're tired from the exertion necessary to just get out of bed that's usually when you know that you're in you're in that territory um well it's interesting because i have somebody that's contacted me for coaching Mm -hmm. who is working, she's working 14 hours a day, every day. She has a three and a four-year-old 
the only time she sees them is to put them to sleep at night. And she contacted me and she said, well, I want to do this, but I don't know if I have an hour to do the coaching. Yes. So how does she break the cycle? How does how does no. it start to do that? Um, I just want to say I empathize with this person because um, I worked 12 to 14 hour days and my kids were 18 months apart. So um, at one point I had a three-year-old and a four-year-old. Um, I call it the dark days. I don't quite know how I got through that. But the way that you start, right? When you say, I don't know if I have an hour to take care of myself. You start by saying, what am I currently doing that I need to stop doing? A lot of times um, women's sort of natural inclination is to say, I need to do something else in order to fix this, right? Like I need to, um, you know, get better at time management or I need to get better at something. No, the truth is you need to stop doing something, right? So there's something that you are doing in your day or in your 14 hour day that you need to stop doing. So for example, you know, if you're going into work three days a week or four days a week and you have an hour commute each way, right? Tell your workplace that you need to work from home one more day because mm -hmm. that's just two hours you gained back, right? Or if, you know, um, um, if cooking is taking a long time, like, you know what? don't cook. It's okay. Your children will be fine. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of healthy options that, that you can buy or, you know, just figure out a way to, to not be as you don't have to get an A in everything that you're doing. Right. And sometimes um, mothers, especially we're trying to do everything really, really well. It's okay to do half the stuff in your life, like average. Right. And figure out the half that you need to do really, really well. But the other half, it's OK to just be average. Like you don't have to do it amazingly well. I remember when my kids were little. Yeah, I used to feel all this pressure to like go to their school and volunteer. And there was one day when I was like, I don't actually need to do that. Right. Um, because I don't and I don't know where this pressure is coming from, but there's no way I can travel for work work these long hours and try to volunteer at the kids school. The kids have plenty of amazing volunteers. I'm good not volunteering. And that was so simple, but it was really hard for me to say, I'm going to be the kind of mother that doesn't volunteer. And I was like, but I'm also going to be the kind of mother that, you know, actually isn't completely worn out by the time my children are teenagers. So something has to give. So I would say she has to get rid of some things in her life. Right. Now, what a lot of women are telling me is that their bosses put a lot of pressure on them to work this many hours. What do you have to, any suggestions on that as, as a badass woman? <laughs> yes. I mean, I think that um, one of the ways to manage up is to pay attention to output and not input, right? So for example, it, it helps to ask your supervisor, your boss, what do you want me to accomplish by the end of the day? Like what is, how would you define success by the end of the day, right? Um, and then when you deliver that success, you can then say, okay, this is where I need flexibility. I'm not going to 
compromise or in any way, um, you know, make the output or the outcome vulnerable. But I want to give you what you need. This is what I need in order to make that happen. And people usually are very open to that. But what I see happen sometimes is let's say a woman needs more flexibility. She goes to a supervisor and says, I need more flexibility. And the supervisor says, you can't have it because I need you here 12 hours a day or 14 hours a day. But if that person said, you know, forget about time for a second. What do you need done by the end of the day? And you figure out a way to do it that doesn't require 14 hours or that gives you a little bit more flexibility, then people are more open to it. It's unfair that somebody's asking you to do it, but the way you negotiate that unfairness is to deliver what it is that they're looking for, but figure out a way to do it that takes less time and energy on your part. That That's beautiful, I love it. I just had a woman who, she took a new job She's vice, she's vice president level. And she called me and she said, I told them I would only be in meetings till two o'clock every day. And from two to five, I'm going to be doing the work and the research. And she said, they were all like, nobody does that. We're in meetings all day. And she said, when I hired on, I had that as part of my agreement. And unless you're willing to do that, I will not be able to stay with this job. So now they're doing it and other people are doing it too. Absolutely. And they're getting more work done. Absolutely. You know, I've seen people do, there's a lot of companies now that do no meeting Fridays for that okay. reason. Um, but what's important is when you're asking for this flexibility, you're not saying I need flexibility so the work is going to get harmed, right? Like it's just a really good negotiation tactic to first deliver on the work and then say, I can still do the work and do it differently. Um, you know, for example, with my team, I work 24 hours because I don't sleep a lot. And so I am sending out emails at like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. But I had to talk to my team and say, I don't expect you to respond if I need you, I will text you. So if you want to go a period of time and not check your emails because they're just coming fast and furious from me or not check your work chat, that's fine. But I also know that if I text them, they respond right away. So those are the kinds of ways in which you figure out how to work together, but still be available and still be flexible. Okay. I my brain's going to texting in three in the morning because I know all these people that sleep with their phones, but you don't mean that, right? No, but sometimes it, for, because what happens sometimes is when I travel and I take early morning flights, uh -huh. um, if my flight is delayed and I'm about to get in the air, somebody does need to be letting my client know and keeping my client apprised. And it happens very rarely, but on days when I have early morning flights, um, somebody might need to be up early to do that, right? So it's not an everyday thing, but in some situations, especially living in Chicago, there's a lot of times that like I'm stuck on, you know, the runway and somebody needs to just stay in touch with the client. But it's, we're also, I think very, it's very important for like the vice president that you were talking about, for people to be very direct about what they can and can't do before they take a job. Uh -huh. And 
employers need to be better about what is required in the job and not required because I just want it as a supervisor, but required because there's a really good reason why that is necessary. Um, And don't be afraid to say no to a job because your health is more important. Exactly. And what I hear too, if, if I work for you and you might need that sometimes, I need to say, I need to be really clear on when I need to have availability at four in the morning. Exactly. Not all the time, but when do I need to do that? And that, you know, if I need to be available at four in the morning, I'm going to take off the afternoon the day before, right? So it's, it's like, you're not available at four in the morning and available all the other times too. Right. When somebody's available at four in the morning, their day ends at two. Right. They're not working a full day that day. So that's the other thing is sometimes, yeah, you need to be available on a weekend or you need to be available early in the morning or late at night. But ask about the next day. Right. Like so if you are working in a job where you have to run an event, for example, late into the night. Make sure that your workplace knows that the next day you're going to come in a little bit later. Like that's those kinds of boundaries really help us. Let me ask you a very personal, real question. Your willingness to address this question and your answer could mean the difference between doubling or more your income in the next year. Do you consider yourself a high potential female executive who seeks more recognition, income, and influence? Someone who aspires to the C-suite or higher? Or maybe you seek a whole new opportunity, either internally or externally with a new company. But somehow you feel stuck, or maybe you're not recognized for your hard work and are getting passed over for promotion. Or you just need a new strategy to help you advance your potential and your income. The demand for high potential female executives that earn top salaries and profit-sharing opportunities has never been higher. But if you don't know how to stand out from the crowd, attract your champions, navigate organizational politics, or lack confidence to ask for what you want, you may be left behind or miss out on some great opportunities. If you can relate to any of these core executive development questions or challenges that may be holding you back, I've got some good news for you. For many years, I've been an executive coach and management consultant. One of the most rewarding aspects for me as a champion of women's leadership is helping women like you have more influence, impact, and income in business and life. I've had phenomenal success helping women advance their careers and radically increase their income, especially in STEM and tech, when previously they had been stuck or sidelined. That is why I'm inviting you to apply for my executive coaching package for high potential women to help you stand out from the crowd, turbocharge your career, and radically increase your income. Warning, this turbocharge your career is not for everyone. It's not an overnight transformation. But if you are a focused, high-potential woman leader willing to invest in yourself 
and follow my proven strategies to advance your leadership and career, you'll be amazed at what we can accomplish together. I invite you to book a free discovery coaching session with me right away because I can only take a limited number of people a year for this special package. So I invite you to reach out to me via my contact page on womensleadershipsuccess.com so we can connect and see if we're a good match. Thanks for listening and now back to the show. Could you speak more about boundaries? Because it seems like an issue that is so difficult for so many women. It's not difficult for women. It's difficult for people to honor women's boundaries. There's a lot of articles that talk about women need to learn how to say no. That's such bull because women say no all the time. We know, like, I can't do that or I don't want to do that. It isn't that women have trouble setting boundaries. People have trouble, men and women, have trouble respecting women's boundaries, right? So there's a lot of pressure on women to be nice. So the reason that we allow our boundaries to be violated is because we don't we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or we don't want to go through the hassle of having to be mean to somebody right and i'm using air quotes um but i think that you have to really ask yourself um is it worth my pound of flesh right you're you're either going to experience the pain of holding your boundary or you're going to experience the pain of having your boundary violated. And sometimes you may not have a choice that boundary violation may occur, but sometimes go ahead and say, today I'll take the pain of defending my boundary as opposed to the pain of um, having my boundary violated. And I wanna use the example of the vice president that you were talking about, right? She set a boundary and of course people are gonna come back and say, no, 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 you can't do that. And it's a pain in the butt to say, Actually, I am going to do it, you know, and people will try like eight, nine times to tell you that you can't do it. And so it does take energy to defend your boundary. But you have to remember that it also takes energy to have your boundary violated. And you are making a choice between which energy. And if you use the energy to defend your boundary, eventually you'll have to you can stop doing that. But if you let the boundary get violated, um, you know, nobody stops violating your boundaries, right? Because it is just too easy to keep doing it. So I would say every once in a while for yourself, choose to defend it and it will hurt and it will make you feel uncomfortable and it will be awkward and you will be in your head going, I can't be doing this. This isn't right. I'm going to get into trouble and ignore that voice in your head and just say, I'm not going to do it. Like, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) It's very funny. So, you know, you talked about all these women who have energy drains. What do we do to change our habits so that we begin to have a sense of control? I think the first thing is to recognize that you, you, you know, everything takes energy right? Not doing something takes energy. Um, If you are putting off having a conversation the whole time, like if 
if I'm trying, let's say, Sabrina, that I need to have a difficult conversation with you, right? And I'm putting it off. It takes so much energy to put it off because I haven't stopped thinking about it, right? Like I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm pissed off all the time about it. I'm frustrated. So you, you know, we have such a hard time doing things that make us uncomfortable, but not doing things that make us uncomfortable. Don't make those things go away. So sometimes one of the best ways to get some energy back is as soon as you think of something hard to do, just do it. Right. Um, And I um, last year practiced because the, you know, the book was coming out and I was like, I'm going to practice a little bit of what I'm preaching here. Instead of saying, I can't, I started saying, I don't want to. (laughs) It was so hard for me. Um, And I remember like one of my aunts called me and said, you know, I want you to come over and, you know, our dinners whenever, but, you know, I want you to come over early so we can catch up. And I was immediately going to say, you know, I can't because I was going to make something up. And I finally just said, I don't want to do that. And she said, well, what do you mean you don't want to? And I said, I don't want to, because I have a lot of stuff the day before. I want to work out that morning. I want to you know, make myself a shake. I want to come there when everybody else comes there. I don't want to come early. And she was like, okay, you don't have to be so mean about it. And I was like, okay, I love you. I gotta go. And it it felt so freeing, but like the amount of times that we don't just want to do something, but we feel like we have to say, I can't because I have all these other things. It gave me so much energy back to just start saying, because I don't want to. Right. Um, It's very awkward and it's very difficult. But once you start, it's a little addictive because you realize how much you've tried to protect everybody else's feelings your whole life by trying to say, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Therefore, I'm going to make up this huge reason why I can't do something as opposed to I just don't feel like it. Right. Or I just don't want to. And just listen to men. How many times they say, I don't want to, I don't care to, don't feel like it. Right. Especially husbands, <laughs> you know, husbands, sons, um, yeah. fathers, um, men of all walks of life. But it is this, we don't feel like we have the right to say, I just don't want to. So we feel like if there isn't a really good reason, we have to, but you have a right to want things. And so I think when you are, when you're experiencing energy drains, there might be times when you genuinely can't, and it's, you know, you should say that, but practice maybe just once a week, right? Saying, because I don't want to, I just don't care to, right? Um, And it's a way to remind yourself that things that you want to do give you energy, things that you don't want to do when you force yourself to do them, they're like double, triple energy drains. Yeah. And not only are you not doing them, but you don't want to do them. And then. It sounds like just starting to notice when your energy is drained and ask yourself, what was I just doing? And why is that a drain? Or what do I need to do differently next time? Absolutely. You know, when, when you feel yourself tensing up, right. When somebody asks you a question or a favor and you feel yourself getting tense and if you have the thought go through your head, like, oh, like, I don't want to do this. Really pay attention to that because that is 
either cognitively or emotionally, or maybe even physically, your body is telling you, like, if you do this, this is going to be a major energy drain, right? Um, I've had friends um, in my life that I've had to stop seeing as frequently as I did, because I remember when it would be time to go to, I have one friend, um, you know, I love her as a person, but she's a really negative person. Like anything that you say to her, she's like, that's never going to happen. Like, you know, she's just a very, very negative person. Right? right. And I remember like, I would be getting dressed to go out to dinner with her and I would immediately feel like, I don't want to like, what, what excuse can I use to not go? Mm-hmm. And I finally just asked myself, like, why are you going? And then I asked myself, can you still be a friend to her and not have to go to dinner with her? Right. So I went to dinner that night and I said, you know, I just going out to dinner is just a lot for me these days. Well, how else can I like be supportive to you? How else can I be your friend? And she gave me lots of ways. She's like, it'd be great if we can touch base, like, you know, um, by video or by phone call. And I was like, I can do that. Right. But it was, I just was like, how else can I be a friend? Because dinner was taking too much out of me, like being in person and getting dressed, going to a restaurant, all that was taking, you know, too much. So pay attention when you're feeling that and give yourself the gift of listening, right. To yourself when you're saying, I don't want to don't do it. Beautiful. What archaic and damaging personal and professional stereotypes no longer serve women? Um, That you have to do things you don't want to do. Um, But also that you're responsible for somebody else's emotions. Um, You know, uh, if what you have to say to somebody makes them feel bad, they are a grown up and it is not your problem. Right. Um, Ian Lovenzat in one of her first books talks about OPP, you know, other people's problems. And it is, it is not your job to make sure everybody else is okay. It is not your job. Right. Now, there are some people that it is your job, like your children, right? Or um you know, your friends, if you're taking care of them or family, but at work, it is not your job to make sure people are okay. It is your job to do your job. Of course, you do it with empathy and compassion and kindness, but there's a difference between delivering a message compassionately and delivering a message to absorb the negative feelings of somebody else doesn't need them because Mm -hmm guess what? They're going to have a really good day because you did it and your day is going to suck because you keep absorbing these. So just that idea that you, you, you have to take care of other people's feelings, I think is something that's very archaic. Um, I also think that there's just, you know, pay attention to like what you're demanding of yourself from a physical perspective too. Um, Women do feel greater pressure I remember it was like on, I think I was on a call with C-suite, right? Zoom, like early on in, um, during the pandemic. And the three women on the call looked put together, like their hair was done, makeup was done. One of the guys on the call, like another guy on the C-suite, he looked like he had just worked out. He was sweating. He had like this t-shirt on 
And I was like, a woman would have never gotten away with that, right? So, you know, challenge your notions of where is the pressure coming from for you to present yourself the way you are, right? So if you are more comfortable in pants than a skirt, wear pants. If you're more comfortable in a skirt, wear a skirt. You don't have to compromise looking and feeling professional. Um, so I think some of the stereotypes about how women are supposed to look and how we're supposed to present ourselves are very archaic as well. While the guys are like wearing polo t-shirts and khakis, right? Women are still putting on clothes every day that that make us feel very constrained. And if you're working a 14 hour day, feeling constrained for 14 hours is a lot. That makes a lot of sense. I want to ask you about how women can be their best advocate and champion mm-hmm. I, and just share a quick story. So I just had a woman contact me who is, she's a director and she has been passed over for a vice president three times. And the people that they've hired they end up not staying on the job because they can't do it. And she's doing the work of the vice president. She asked if she could take a 360 and the HR woman said, be careful what you ask for. You might not want to know that information. I think that, you know, if you allow yourself to be compensated, you know, a compensation meaning like title and pay below your worth, um, it won't change. So if they've hired three people, she needs to leave. Because um, it means that she's not in the consideration, right? And um, this is something called a sticky floor syndrome. Um, Like, Basically, people just expect us to be good in a supportive role as opposed to a leadership role. And they don't want to promote us because they're like, but you're really good at what you do, right? So you're actually burned for being good at what you do. Um, This happens to a lot of women who work for male supervisors where they won't promote them because they actually like this person being their their support person, right? Um, so once, okay, twice, but three times, it's time to say, you don't see me the way that I need to be seen. And chances are that she is going to be very competitive in a marketplace. Um, women tend to be way more loyal to, like we we tend to, except when people say, oh, but your turn will come, like, just wait, right, next year. Um, But I think that there comes a time when you've got to go out into the marketplace and say, let's actually test this, because I, I can no longer just take your word for it. Do you have any advice for women who are immigrants to a country? So my audience is not just the United States, but also other countries. And I'm getting women that have got come from one country to another one where English is their second language. And they're experiencing that they're doing great work. And the minute they start to shine, the bosses 
somehow taking the credit for it. Um, they're not they're not getting a way to really excel in their jobs. Yeah, um, I'm a first generation immigrant. My mother was um, a surgeon. Um, she came to this country like I saw her having to deal with that. Um, here's the thing, right? When you take a job as an immigrant woman, um, you need to build a very broad network within any organization. I don't care if you're in a professional service, if you're in tech, if you're in the service sector. Mm-hmm. You need to you need you need to know people, and people need to know you beyond just the um the the person that you work for mm-hmm. because it's too easy to isolate you right so you've got to inoculate yourself from being isolated and the way that you do this is join committees um you know um if there are like uh ways to get involved elsewhere do it um Introduce yourself, you know, if there are other immigrants from your background, for example, in the company, introduce yourself, Um, develop a wide network. It's much harder for somebody to keep you down if people outside of like your immediate chain of command, so to speak, um, if people outside that know you, you're not limited to the information that your boss is giving you or that your peers are giving you. You're actually getting, you know, a broad array of support. And it also enables you to make some lateral moves if you need to, right? Get out from under that person. Um, and you can't make lateral moves or even understand if what's happening to you is par for the course in this company or it's happening to you kind of if you don't have that broad network. So a lot of immigrant immigrants generally, but immigrant women tend to go in and say, I'm just going to put my head down and do a really good job. You've got to build a broad network. Um, you've got to know people in lots of different divisions and functions. And that might mean coming out of your comfort zone to getting to know people, but you've got to do that so that you don't get isolated. That's a beautiful answer. So many women have difficulty saying no. You you gave one example, I don't want to, but just the no, how do they, how can they get better at that? Um, you know, I think sometimes it's like people are addicted to asking you so wean them off slowly right (laughs) so if somebody comes to you and says I need you to do all of this and you're like okay I need to wean them off of this so you know I can do this one piece but you need to find somebody else to do the rest so you're kind of not saying no to the whole thing Mm -hmm. um but you're saying I can do this piece right or say yes but say I can't get it to you by the time you want it so if somebody says, I need you to do this, I need it by tomorrow, you know, I can do this, but I'm probably not going to be able to get it to you until Monday. Your choice. What do you want to do? Put it back on them, right? So don't like you're not like you're not automatically saying yes, but you're not quite saying no, but you're saying yes, but on my terms. Um, and what that does is it makes it really hard for people to act like you're saying no, because you're saying yes, but you're kind of adding a term to it every time, right? Um, can you get this done for me? I need it by five. I can get it done for you, but I'm probably not going to be able to get it done by five. I'm going to get, you know, I can probably get it to you by like tomorrow at 11. So by forcing them to, to, um, to back off of at least a part of it, you're teaching them that you have your own terms, 
right? Oftentimes what happens when somebody comes in and says, I need you to do this and I need it by five, you're now harried, like you're stressed out and you're like, I got to do everything else that I have to do by five, I got to do this. And you burn yourself getting it done. So say, yes, I will do it, but not by five. So what the woman I was telling you about that's working the 14 hour days and she has little kids, the boss comes to her at the last minute, but he doesn't care if it's done by five. He doesn't care if she works till 11 at night, as long as she gets it done. And I think, so she needs to ask herself, if I didn't work until 11 at night, when could I get it done? Right. And she can say, I would be happy to do this. I can get it to you by noon tomorrow. And if he says, no, I need it tonight, say, okay, these are the other things I'm working on. Can you help me prioritize which of those things can wait till tomorrow? Right? Like you have to understand that your energy is a limited resource. So if somebody is asking for say 10 units of your energy, it's either, no, I don't have it today, but I'll have it tomorrow, right? Or if you want me to use those 10 units to do this, you gotta tell me what other 10 units I can. And so you start teaching somebody to treat your energy as as, uh, an expended resource, as opposed to as like, you know, unlimited. Um, It also will teach somebody to give it to you at the last minute, right? Because they're then responsible for taking something off your plate. Right. That that totally makes sense. We're just about out of time, and I wanted to ask you to share something wild. You and and how do how can we be more of a badass? I I really like that you say that. So, I mean, I think I have never met a woman who isn't like at least partially like a badass, right? But I feel like we were these like strong, interesting creatures that get that interesting in the wild beaten out of us, right? Like starting when we're little, like lower your voice, sit properly, don't do that, you know, just, um, and I think that if you think back to what you did as a little girl or um, just pay attention to when you're watching TV, you know, you have this little pang of envy, for example, when somebody's doing something and you're like, Oof, that looks fun. Do it, right? Like if you watch, um, what is that show on HGTV? It's like um, vacation houses or beach houses, like whatever. If you're watching that incessantly, it means you don't want to be where you are, right? (laughs) Like you want to go visit one of those places. Stop watching it and actually like go. If you are watching, you know, Dancing with the Stars, chances are really high. There's a part of your body that's like, I kind of want to dance a little bit, right? Like start taking a dancing class. Um, We have been like told to contain and be less and take up less space and be softer and be quieter so much that the part of us that's wild is watching television um, about that part of us. and we're attracted to it because we actually want to live it, not because we just want to watch somebody else live it, right? So pay attention to like, you know, what you're reading, what you are 
um, what you're watching and say, well, what if that little bit of that was my life? Like, I'm not saying you have to like sell your home and go live somewhere. If you can do that, great. But like take a dancing class, take a cooking class, right? Like if you're watching um, the cooking channel all day, the food channel all day, every day, take a cooking class instead. Like there's something in you that is attracted to this don't just give it something to watch um, or live vicariously through someone else, right? So that's the wild. That's the wild of, I want to I wanna experience that. And those things are incredible energy givers, right? They put energy back into us. Um, I had somebody I was coaching the other day and I was, I just, she was like, I don't have energy. And I was, literally was like, what do you watch on TV? And she said the food channel, right? She watches like iron chef or something. And I was like, that's it. Like find a cooking class and go take a cooking class. And I was like, and call me right after the cooking class. She took a cooking class on like walk, stir fry something. And you could hear it in her voice. She was like, that was so much fun. And we got to like do all this stuff. But, and I was like, so stop freaking watching it on TV and count up all the hours that you watch that show and experiment with cooking in your house, right? Or take a cooking class or just play with recipes and you're going to get in touch with that part of you. So I think that's the wild is like living that part of our lives that for whatever reason has just been kind of beaten out of us a little bit. And say yes to what gives you energy. Yes. Say yes to that. Even if it's silly and it's uncomfortable. And, um, you know, uh, Shonda Rhimes has a great book of uh, my year of yes. Um, If you are one of those people where your immediate answer is no. 2023, just one month, all of February, say yes. Whatever somebody asks you, say yes. Kind of scary. but you'll find yourself doing some interesting things that you you need to start experimenting. Does that give me energy? And if it does, maybe I'll do more of it, right? And if it doesn't, I don't need to do it again. So that is beautiful. Thank you so much for being my with pleasure. us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wait, keep listening. If you like this show and want to learn more on how to be a transformational leader, I have a special offer for you and a gift in just a moment. Thanks for following me on LinkedIn, where you can get more leadership tips from me. And also, I really appreciate you sharing, liking, and giving me a review in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Remember, if you consider yourself a current or future high-potential executive that wants to have influence, impact, and radically increase your income, I invite you to reach out to me on my contact page on womensleadershipsuccess.com so we can connect. Lastly, be sure and check out my Action for Traction for this episode in the show notes at womensleadershipsuccess.com. You will get three easy but powerful steps you can take immediately, plus some downloadable articles and videos based on this interview to help you truly be a transformational leader. Bye for now. See you soon. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. 
Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.